Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katarzy, and today, I think this episode is going to shock the hell out of you. We have Rebecca Farmer on the show today, who is bravely sharing her lifelong struggle with her body, mind and gut rebelling against her very existence. You name it, Rebecca has had it. It is truly unfathomable just how much biological abuse she endured over 15 plus years. She's had, and wait for it, degenerative disc issues, insomnia, depression, OCD, ADHD, anxiety, chronic acne, osteopenia, asthma, hives, IBS, IPD, celiac, chronic Lyme disease, Hashimoto's, colitis, Addison's, chronic C. diff, diverticulitis, ulcerative colitis, scleroderma, slow transit colon, and more. I mean, can you even imagine going through one of those, let alone all of those? It's just insane. Well, I think you'll agree that Rebecca has battled with a systemic emergency for almost all of her life, with crippling pain, emotional trauma, medicated up to the eyeballs, and a body seemingly giving up on her. And what's more, she was incredibly uncomfortable within her own skin. Emotionally, this was just taking everything out of her. She couldn't function normally and weighed as little as 79 pounds as a fully grown woman. But the story ends well. Fast forward to today and Rebecca is completely off all of her meds, which is just insane as she was rattling with daily high potency pills. Almost every condition and symptom has disappeared. She is happy, strong, highly functioning, and thriving. And I'm sure you're thinking, how on earth is this even possible? Well, the ketogenic diet made a huge difference to her need for medication, but it was the carnivore diet that has had the most profound impact in her quality of life and health. Sounds crazy, right? I know it sounds absolutely impossible and hard to believe, but it also sounds the same as Michaela Peterson's famous road to recovery on her all-meat diet, as well as thousands and growing cases online of miraculous recoveries from modern diseases by taking this extreme and seemingly drastic course of action. Trust me, you will want to hear Rebecca's story. It's painful, unbelievable, encouraging, and truly, truly fascinating. And if you want to get a full insight into what we cover, just click the full show notes link within your episode description. There is loads, and it was an awesome, awesome conversation. Alrighty, let's do this. Be prepared to be both gripped and gobsmacked by Rebecca's journey from debilitating chronic illness to thriving, all with a carnival diet. Okay, guys, so today we have got a very interesting conversation, or at least I hope it be. Um, So a few weeks ago, I was contacted by a lady called Rebecca Farmer. She's on the mics. Hey, Rebecca. Hey there. Hey, yeah. And Rebecca mentioned that she had been through quite the journey of... I don't know, the, the the who's who of disease and illness, modern day illness. And it was a compelling story. 
And I thought it'd be interesting for us all to explore some of these conditions she's been dealing with. And most importantly, the journey to a better, healthier and thriving lifestyle now. So Rebecca, welcome on the show. Thank you for uh, reaching out to us. And um, it's a pleasure to have you on the mics and get to understand you a little bit more. Oh, thanks, Steve. The pleasure is all mine. It really is. Oh, thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you. So as you know, um, we are all about being your best, self-optimization, self-discovery. And we've spent a bunch of time over the last 120 episodes exploring dietary lifestyle interventions. Um, I, for one, am a low-carber. I, I, I respect and appreciate the keto movement for its um, health benefits, mostly. And I have interviewed many people that have explored keto and or carnivore. Now, without trying to jump straight to the punchline I know that's stuff that you are exploring but do you want to just give us a sense of like how you came to find in adaptation and what was kind of driving uh, the interest to have a chat with us yeah well I came across your podcast actually fairly recently I saw that Danny Vega was on your show and Danny plays a huge role in my recovery honestly um, so anytime I see that he's on a podcast, I'm interested in listening to it. And then I, after listening to that, I looked at some of the other people that you've had on your show and the conversations that you've had. And I have just been listening to it every single day since, oh. <laughs> to be completely honest, because I am a huge fan of optimizing health and making lifestyle changes and biohacking. And it's all just excellent stuff. Oh, thank you. Thank I'm super you. excited to be here. Oh, yeah, same, same, likewise. So let's give let's give the audience a quick whistle-stop whistle tour of who you are today, and then let's peel back the layers and start from the beginning of yeah, some of these uh, degenerative and struggling diseases that you've, that you've dealt with. But yeah, who are you today, Rebecca? I am 28 years old. Um, I am living in Illinois right now, and I am in the pursuit of health coach certification through the Health Coach Institute, which I'm extremely excited about. I'm very, very passionate about helping other people, encouraging other people um, in the areas of not only health and nutrition, but just also spiritually, um, mentally, and really taking a look at what sort of factors are in their life that affect them? Because everything that we do, everyone that we surround ourselves with, they have great impacts on us. And I think that the world we live in today, we're just so blind to so much. And I see people suffering, whether it be physically or mentally. Um, there is so much that can be done aside from paying out the nose for a functional medicine doctor or... Um, getting on a bunch of prescription drug, drugs, which just end up making things worse. So I am extremely passionate about that. And especially with everything that I have come out of and come from now, it's just, it's my, it's my drive. It motivates me and it's a seriously a true joy to just be able to help other people. So that's where I'm at at this phase in my life. I'm very excited. So you've had quite the journey and I've got your website in front of me now and yeah, it is a 
it is a laundry list of conditions that you've had to struggle with over the course of what looks like 10 to 15 years. Um, it sounds like that's your why, that's your mission, and that's wholesome and fantastic to see. Let's start from the beginning then. When did you start, when, when did someone start labelling issues that you're dealing with as conditions uh, and some of the conditions that you've stated on your website? Maybe just start from the beginning, from the earliest point that you can remember. The earliest point that I can remember is very vivid. I, I used to go running every morning in my neighborhood and I stopped dead in my tracks and I thought that I was having a heart attack. I barely got home to tell my parents. They drove me to the emergency room and I was diagnosed with degenerative disc and Costco chondritis, which is inflammation of the chest tissue. And then they also said, oh, it must be anxiety. So here, here are some benzopidines. And, <laughs> and then they sent me home after that. Um, that. That was the onset of a lot of pain that continued to layer on. After that incident, I was diagnosed with more mood disorders, um, like insomnia, depression, anxiety, OCD, ADHD. And I truly was struggling with all of these. The insomnia was one of the first. Um, and the ADHD was really, really bad as well. And OCD, I didn't even realize I had OCD until they really pointed out to me how bad it was. <laughs> it was like, this is not normal. <laughs> um, and then I just started to realize, wow, I am really uncomfortable in my own skin. And so they put me on a lot of medications, uh, Adderall, clonazepam, and Ambien. And this was in the seventh grade. And I remember asking them, are these going to be hard for me to get off of? You know, because I don't want to take them forever. And they said, oh, it's, you know, you don't become addicted to any of these. You can take them long term. I was taking all three of those for 13 years, wow. which is amazing to me that they would tell me this is it's all good you know you're not supposed to take benzopidines for more than three months um so that all happened in seventh grade and i just continued to run into bizarre symptoms and issues like um i would get really bad hives <laughs> i would get hives about the size of grapefruits on my legs and I had no idea what this was. And it was going on for two seasons, probably about six months, honestly. And I was going into the doctor and they just said, you're, you're allergic to dust mites. And we don't really know what the cause of hives are. But it was painful. These things were ginormous. Um, and I continued to struggle with physical pain. So I ended up going to a chiropractor about 10th grade and he pointed out that I had scoliosis and osteoporosis also. Um, so I started going there and it helped a lot. It ten, did help ten, a lot. 10th grade, Rebecca, what, what age is that? Sorry, we, we don't use that grading system over here in the UK. Oh goodness. That's a good question. 10th grade, probably about 16, I think. Okay. So this started around, a, so Conditions started around about 12 or so? Yes. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. And I, I failed to mention that I was actually diagnosed with osteopenia in sixth grade. <laughs> so my bones were already deteriorating and they were like, this is not normal. You're very young to have this problem. Yeah. So I was malnourished. Um, how, 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 how did your, your folks deal with this whole process of obviously you having conditions and the need to then go to the doctors to have a discussion, but then the doctors ruling out what, what seems like a, a laundry list of conditions. You said diagnosed conditions. How were they processing this? It's a good question. Uh, my family, first of all, my sister has epilepsy, um, severe epilepsy, and she has had it since she's my older sister. So I, as long as I've known her, she's had it. My father also has some chronic pain issues. Um, so my family is familiar with medical conditions. And when the, when we ran into these, it really wasn't a big concern to be honest. Um, I didn't really feel like I was dealt with properly. And that's not to say that my family hasn't taken good care of me or that they don't love me. I just don't think that we took a close enough look when I had issues. And um, when a doctor tells you you're, you're anxious and you just need to take these benzopidines, you know, what else? That's, that's the next option. So I just went with it. They're the authority, right? Right. Exactly. So we all were just kind of hoping, okay, well, this is the answer. You know, I hope that everything goes well. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I can only imagine how tough this is because you've, you've described a series of um, uh, kind of mental health struggles um, and then, you know, the lack of sleep as well. I mean, that just must have been pretty tough. And of, of course, you're going through school at this point. How, 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 how expressive or, or how obvious was it to your peer group that you were struggling with a whole heap of stuff? Not so much. Um, and I love these questions, by the way, because I never really get to talk about this. And it's so significant. So I will say that I have moved around a lot from even from being born. We moved two months after I was born. I've moved like eight times total. So right. I, um, I will say I think that played a big part in my mood issues. Um, because it happened around sixth grade when we picked up and left what I, you know, I had put down roots. I had a childhood and I just left everything brand new school. I was living in a hotel, um, just in and out of different schools. And it was really rough, very, very rough. And I started to just kind of seclude myself. And I think that was very traumatic for me to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, so once we were more settled and I was in school, I, I will say I went through a bit of, um, I wasn't necessarily hiding all of my issues. Um, I got really into hardcore music and I was sort of an emo chick, but you know, not like extreme or anything. I've always been true to myself, but I just found different outlets. I've always been sort of a tomboy, um, but I really kept my personal struggles to myself. Um, I, I didn't tell anyone, hey, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. And um, it was constant, just this constant being uncomfortable. Mm. And it physically, was all physically and 
emotionally? Yes, both. Definitely both. And um, it was sleep. I didn't think that I would ever, ever sleep normally. I just remember laying in bed, just waiting and praying to fall asleep. I used to try to pray myself to sleep. Um, and it's so, you know, it's amazing. Looking back now, I fall asleep in like 30 seconds when I close my eyes at night. So that's good. Um, so so let, let just kind of pieces together. So we, you know, started with what, what seemed to be like bone or disc related issues, or at least the first diagnosis through there. Um, further exploration of kind of bone weakness or fragility that exposed a number of sleep and mental related conditions that you were dealing with that then kind of further opened up the kind of worms of gastro related issues ibs ibd colon issues celiac issues i mean it's just it's it's a plethora of things to deal with Were, were you confident that the practitioner or practitioners that you were dealing with were were being thorough in their diagnosis no no No. for so long i was but i didn't know who else to go to Mm. and i didn't have even the knowledge exactly i didn't know if that there were other options which is why another reason why i'm so passionate because People just don't realize there are such there are so many things that you can do instead of taking this medication. Um, I didn't even know to ask my parents, "Hey, can we go see a different type of doctor instead of these traditional medicine doctors who just have me fill out, you know, an anxiety panel every time I come and visit them? Mm-hmm. Like they're just it's like they're just there to pass out drugs." And even my therapist the whole purpose of the appointment was just to put me on a drug. Um, I tried various antidepressants as well. And I, I didn't stay on those because I was getting really bad nightmares, but it, I was not convinced for a very long time. It's just that I didn't, I didn't want to be more of a burden first of all, because my family was already dealing with pain and issues. Um, and I didn't think that there were many more options. However, when I started going to the chiropractor, that gave me some hope um, because I was feeling it made such a difference. And when you talk about chiropractic tra- treatments, um, are we talking holistic in nature or more just uh, um, muscular and skeletal adjustments? What, what, what was your chiropractor helping you with at that time? Primarily skeletal adjustments. Um, it, my ribs slip out of place they still do constantly and it's very painful. And I didn't realize until I went into the chiropractor, how much better I could feel. Even just having my spine aligned, I could think clearer. So it's very, it's, it's amazing how physical pain can really fog, um, your mindset and affect me and my mood as well. Talk to me a little bit about the lifestyle that you you had generally in this early part of your life. So, you know, from 10 years old to the time that we're currently at, which was about 16, 17. Um, talk to me about, and now obviously, I'll just backtrack a bit. I, I can imagine when dealing with these kind of issues that you're probably not 
bouncing around living your best life, right? So I, I guess it's self-induced to some degree, but your family make decisions both in terms of dietary and general lifestyle uh, and the relationship you have with medication. Talk to me what that looked like over that span of six years. Yeah. Um, so when I was younger, my entire life, I've always been active. I love playing outside. Um, and I usually just tuckered out before the rest of my friends did, <laughs> which wasn't, you know, that's not a problem. Um, I ate fairly healthy. My mom has always made, you know, fairly healthy food compared to what I see kids eating now. I mean, we were still eating pasta and macaroni and cheese, but, um, I ate a lot of whole foods, mm. you know, we didn't, we didn't really eat cereal. It was, she would never get pop tarts or any of that stuff. Like that was, I was lucky if I got chocolate chips in my peanut butter sandwich. Um, and I'm really very grateful for growing up that way. And it, I've always had a passion for just health and nutrition in general. Okay. Um, and I remained fairly active just because I had a passion for it. Uh, like I said, I would go out running and I love the outdoors. I love sports. I tried to get into skateboarding, but I was awful at it, but I did inline skating for a while. Um, and then in PE at school, like I said, I just got winded <laughs> earlier than other people. Um, I also had asthma. So that used to get in my way a lot. My face would be flush red after recess all the time. And then just going into high school, I guess I, I became a little bit less active. Um, but I would still hang out with friends. Uh, I listened to a lot of music. Music was, uh, played a big part in my life, just getting through you know, as a lot of kids in high school mm. do, um, music it's, can be really emotion, helpful. Emotional escape, right? A lot, a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, nutrition wasn't—you would say nutrition, obviously different to what, what you do now, but uh, based on the available knowledge at that time, you felt that the decisions you were making and your family and those around you were were sensible. And it, it could have been much worse. You could have been Absolutely. really heavy on the processed food. Totally. And I, I even got into paleo at a fairly young age and I cut out the, the granola and, you know, the, the sugar very early on and it did make a significant difference. Um, so the rest just came along with being pushed to become more extreme, you know, um, and in a lot of ways, I'm grateful for everything that I've been through. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have changed my diet because I think the mindset that we tend to um, adapt to is what we can get away with mm -hmm. and still feel okay. But it's like there's so much more if we just give something a chance. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I don't want to jump jump the gun just too early. I'm I'm flicking through the rest of your site, and it seems to get worse before it gets better. M maybe maybe I'm reading that wrong, but you talk about other conditions that uh, were either diagnosed or considered, such as hey, uh, Lyme disease, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, which is interesting. My wife suffers with that. Um, 
and several other stuff, colitis, Addison's. Talk to me a bit about this. Like, When, when did these conditions start uh, hitting your radar? So this happened after high school. Um, throughout high school, I was taking the Adderall. I also went through multiple rounds of antibiotics just because I was getting sick all the time. Um, so it, it became fairly apparent that my immune system was not the best. Mm. And that was pretty much what I settled with. It was like, okay, well, I was just born with a bad immune system. Um, so after high school, I got into real estate and I was living on my own and I ran into the worst amount of pain that I have ever been in, in my entire life to the point that I was bed bound and I was begging my boyfriend at the time to come over just so that he could massage my body because I was writhing in pain. I could not, I could not get out of bed. Um, and it was not, you know, thinking back, it was not just physical pain. It was also anxiety, but it wasn't all in my head. It was coming from my nervous system. My heart would pound out of my chest. I would not be able to see straight. Um, and this went on for a couple of months. This happened, strangely enough, right after I had gotten wisdom teeth surgery and I took the pain meds and the antibiotics that they gave me to take. And if, if I had to guess, I would say that the onset of this pain and everything getting way worse was due to my gut. Just It was the last straw. My gut was destroyed. And because... I can say that now, knowing how much better I feel now that my gut is healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that happened, I sought out the help of my, my aunt, who is, um, she's into the ketogenic lifestyle, and uh, she's written a book. Her name is Kat James. And I told her, you know, this stuff is going on. I, I need help. That's when I started seeking out the help of functional medicine and um, just realizing there's nothing, there's no pill that is going to help this. And I did not, I didn't want the pain meds. I didn't want anti-anxiety meds because I felt like a zombie all the time. Mm -hmm. And literally that I could not accept that. I, that alone just made me so anxious. Um, So I continued to see doctors and that's when I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease. And Lyme disease, is that, is that often um, contracted by ticks or bites? Yes. Or is that, is I, that, yeah? I, had, I had one, um, but I never got the bullseye. I never had signs of it. it was, they pretty much just said, have you ever been bitten by a tick? And it's like, yeah, I've had multiple yeah. ticks. But I never went to the doctor afterward because I didn't get a rash or anything. Um, but they, they ran very, very thorough labs, and that's when I – was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease and chronic Lyme dis- disease. What was what we're talking about here? Is, uh, I they're suggesting you're gonna you're, you're gonna have uh, is, is is it a virus or something within your body forever? But, but I don't really know much about Lyme disease. Apologies. It's no, no worries. It's um, when they called it chronic, they basically described it as you're going to have these symptoms forever, and Jeez. it's pretty much seeded into your body. So even if I'm not having an active infection, there are so many co-infections and 
all this stuff. I didn't even have the money to test for everything. Um, but what it manifested itself into was what they called chronic Lyme disease. So I had my, my lab work, it, it looked so bizarre. Um, my anti-nuclear antigens were off the chart and, uh, Epstein-Barr virus was always way higher than it should be. And just these really strange things. Um, so I couldn't even look at it and be like, oh, you're just, you know, you're just trying to sell me something. It was, it was scary to see. Um, so I don't, I honestly don't know all that much about Lyme disease because I didn't want to accept it when they told me that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I couldn't afford the treatments that they offered. Um, which were a lot of IV treatments, you know, getting IV vitamin B12 and glutathione. And I would go into the office and people were just paying thousands of money, uh, thousands of dollars out of pocket to get an IV. And they did this every day. And I just thought this is insane. Um, and I had to leave. And so that was pretty scary because I had Lyme disease and I couldn't, I could not afford to do that. Um, so I actually ended up going to New York city. My aunt got me in touch with a doctor in New York city who does ozone therapy. Um, and I can't share his name, but he hooked me up and I was able to do that for about a month. Um, so this was just injecting ozone into my veins every day. And it's supposed to help clear the blood of toxins. And I will say that I felt a difference, but he said I would need to do it for eight months at minimum. And he said, I have no doubt that you have chronic Lyme disease and, but you're, you're going to need a lot more. And I couldn't move to New York. You know, I had a life. Mm. So, um, so after that, I, I, came back to North Carolina where I was living and I just continued to work with other doctors. And that's when they also discovered the Addison's, um, and the Hashimoto's hypothyroid. Both of which are uh, adrenal axis related issues. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Bingo. And I made that connection, um, pretty early on. And I knew that my pituitary gland was messed up. My hormones never looked that good. I also stopped having my period um, before high school finished. Wow. I was taking, I didn't have a period unless I was on birth control. So I just stopped birth control. And uh, so there was a lot going on. And I continued to see these doctors. And then, you know, I just figured maybe I should look at my gut and my digestion because I haven't even told them I'm, I have issues. <laughs> like I was in pain a lot of the time. Um, or I would want to use laxatives because I couldn't use the bathroom and it was not healthy and it was not normal, but I didn't speak up about it until all of this was happening. And then they diagnosed me with diverticulitis, gastroparesis, slow transit colon, 
gosh. Uh, celiac. And diverticulitis is is a big deal, right? That that can be excruciating pain. Yes. And I didn't say anything about it for a very, very long time. Because when you're told you have chronic Lyme disease, it's kind of like, well, this is it, you know? Because I see the way that it affects people. I mean, there are people in their 40s and 50s with chronic Lyme disease who are still bedbound, practically, in pain. Um, and I thought that that was what my life was going to be. So I didn't even, you know, I just told myself, I don't have time to deal with my gut. I've got bigger, bigger issues, but I'm very glad that I, you know, got in to see those doctors and actually diagnosed these things because it made me feel a little bit better about wanting to take laxatives and, you know, wanting, feeling concerned about it. It, it at least gave me some peace of mind knowing this isn't all in my head. Um, I think that point is really, really important. And it's so taboo yeah. to talk about your toilet experiences and, you know, generally, you know, your regularity and comfort uh, of going to the right. toilet, right? So because we don't talk about it um, and the idea of crapping all the time probably isn't something, you know, you probably don't think, oh, that's the gold standard. So, hey, if I don't go that often, that's fine. If I, I have pain, hey, everyone has gas and bloat these days. You know, that, this is relatively normal. But but you're right. The fact it is taboo is the reason we don't speak about these issues. But they can quite mm. often be, you know, the, the you know, the canary, you know, the canary in the coal mines. They, that can be the alarm bell for people these days to understand it might be something more serious going on and understanding perhaps that's the source of some of your conditions. Definitely. Absolutely. Even, I will say even today, to be completely honest, if I am constipated for whatever reason, which rarely happens, or if I'm having some sort of digestive kink or something, my, I'll go to see my chiropractor and he's like, what, what have you done? You're very, very stiff there's something different and it's like he he can pinpoint it every single time it's like i haven't been able to use the bathroom or i have a really good adjustment and it's like well i just fasted for a day probably why so it seriously is very very it's all related Mm -hmm. and i encourage everyone to check in with their digestive health for sure and before we go into that a little bit more I just want to make sure that we don't skirt over the Addison's and Hashimoto. So were you experiencing some of the symptoms of Hashimoto? So uh, I, I guess you, you'd already been having a bit of the kind of mental clarity and the fog and the uh, depression type symptoms. You've already discussed those, but were you also dealing with uh, extreme cold um, and just gen- general malaise from having yes. a, a, a lower a lower active thyroid? Yes, definitely. The chronic fatigue was huge. And I just attributed that to the chronic Lyme disease. Um, But it was severe fatigue. And my fingernails would be blue about 75% of the time. I was freezing cold all the time. And my hands and feet were always cold. My skin also was, it was dry. I've had skin problems um, even prior to being diagnosed with that. I I had really bad cystic acne and um, that cleared up with keto down the road. But 
I did experience a lot of the thyroid issues. So I wasn't even surprised, to be honest. Uh, I just felt burnt out all the time. And I think that it may have taken me a while to discover that because I was taking Adderall for so long and I was just running on Adderall. I was wired, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't normal energy. Like I said, I felt like a zombie half the time. I, it was normal for me to stay up all night because I just didn't feel like sleeping. I didn't need sleep. And then I would just go and go and go. And I think that I hit a point where I truly burnt out my neurotransmitters and I did some damage. So it's, it's, it's exhausting just listening to it, Rebecca. And, and, and I'm, I'm quite, I'm not the most sympathetic person in the world. I'm empathetic, but not necessarily sympathetic as often as I should be. But I can't even place myself in your shoes. I can't even fathom what it'd be like to constantly feeling like your body's letting you down. Um, And dealing with pain as a as a a normal, especially as a a young person, you can't expect a level of degradation as you age but you know I'm, I'm guessing as you looked through your across your peer group people weren't dealing with the stuff you were dealing with and that must have been pretty tough yeah it was definitely I felt like a loser to be honest I felt like a failure and um it was surreal I don't think that I ever really accepted it it was just kind of Like, this is the reality that I'm dealing with right now, but it's not going to be forever because I did not have the will in me to live a life like that for the rest of my life. So I didn't know how, but I knew that, um, I knew that God was going to deliver me from it Mm. somehow, someday. That's that's, that's pretty dark. But I I, I can imagine, right? I I can imagine that, um, people don't, don't have the, the resourcefulness, the resilience, and the you know the sheer tenacity and perseverance to be able to over, uh, deal with what could be chronic and worsening conditions. I know what it's like when I've got a cold, <laughs> and after a few <laughs> days, I'm, I'm I'm done with it. Right, I'm really done with it. The idea of having a cold forever. Oh my god, you know you'd you'd, you'd want to kill yourself, right? And just the idea of uh, something small and irritating being permanent is enough to really piss people off but you weren't dealing with small small permanent things you were dealing with a whole slew of stuff i mean start start painting hopefully the 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 road to recovery now so you're on the podcast you've got a message to share clearly uh, it it must be one that's positive i i do hope so um but how how do we start getting us how do we back ourselves out of what sounds like really bad luck like you're just one of those people that have just got an immune system that doesn't want to play ball. And, you know, you've got the laundry list of conditions. You were going to get it anyway because of your genetics. Like that, that's what someone would hear having listened to this. That's the conclusion they, they would make. Now, I'm not saying that is the conclusion. I'm sure you've probably come up with some theories as to what has been going on. But talk to me about how, you know, the route out of uh, that, that life. Before, I guess, um, before I was able to get out of it, it had to get desperately bad. So even after that, it got worse. Um, I ended up being diagnosed with the, um, 
the colitis, ulcerative colitis. And that was a big deal because I, I was feeling more symptoms and I was like, what is going on? Uh, and then this is very recent also. This is just about last year. I was diagnosed as well with scleroderma, which is a connective tissue disease, crest scleroderma specifically, and it affects my esophagus. So I was not able to eat without throwing up and I was terrified. I did not know what was going on. This is on top of being diagnosed with C. diff. Um, I don't know if you've heard of C. diff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a chronic C. diff. I was resistant to all of the antibiotics. I went through about 13 rounds of antibiotics, still had it. So I have had three fecal transplants, which is not cheap and not a fun process. And I was down to... 79 pounds, um, just a little over six months ago because of the C. diff infection. I was not absorbing any nutrients. And this is when I discovered that I had the ulcerative colitis as well, because I was seeing gastroenterologists and all those types of doctors. So, um, it was terrifying. And that's the point that I had to get to, to finally try carnivore, which is what has brought back so much. Um, I was doing keto before for quite a while and it helped a lot. I was able to get off of those medications with it. I got back a ton of energy and mental clarity. Um, my inflammation went down, but I was still getting swollen ankles to the point where I couldn't put my shoes on and I was still dealing with a lot. Um, and when, the C. diff infection. When, when did you start keto? How many years ago? Um, probably about, I have been off and on keto for about 15 years. Okay. Um, so very early on when I reached out to my aunt, that's when I started doing it very, um, very tailored to what I was going through when I started taking some supplements. But even before that, I I never ate the bun on my burger. I didn't buy bread. Um, I ate fairly well. I ate low-carb pasta. So I, I've been keto for a long time. It was just a matter of how strict it, how strict it was. And, and, um, and just generally, um, say the last few years prior to finding carnivore, what, what did your keto diet look like? Are you, are you mo- mostly whole food based keto um was you, you know, absolutely yeah were you buying yeah. a lot of the you know the the processed uh, snacks and stuff no I, <laughs> that didn't happen until i was desperately trying to gain weight and it was like i've got to find the most hyper palatable <laughs> foods cuz i can't i could not eat enough and i would get so full so i literally was i knew how addictive these foods were you know like those the Quest nacho keto chips, those things are delicious. (laughs) And I could eat an entire case. Um, So, but I didn't do that prior to desperately needing to gain weight. And um, it didn't help me, by the way. So I wouldn't recommend that. But yeah, I was eating uh, eggs. I would make shakes with avocado. Um, I'd make tabbouleh with hemp seeds and have burgers. It was it was fun. And I have a, I loved making like the keto recipes and the baked goods and 
keto ice cream. It was really fun and I enjoyed it a lot. How much? Um, how, which made it even harder. How much? Um, yeah, sorry for interrupting you there, Rebecca. How, how much vegetable or plant based products were you eating? Now, I'm, just to be clear, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to create or demonize plant-based food. Uh, I just want to have have that clarity for our discussion. So how how much plant-based yeah. matter was you eating, you know, over the course of, you know, a week or a month? Probably about 70% was plant, plant-based. Okay. I was having salads and avocado, like I said, hemp seeds, chia seeds, flax seeds. Um, and I did not start to eat more meat until I spoke with Danny. And that's when that was just, he planted the seed, planted the seed that I desperately needed for someone to tell me you need nutrients. And he said, just try cutting out some of the spinach. He's like, I know it sounds crazy, but people with autoimmune issues or pain, sometimes it can make a big difference. And that's when I started to cut back, but I still, I still kept the avocado and I, I didn't cut it all out for quite a while. Okay. And so you started pulling pulling back on some of the plant-based stuff. And let's be clear for the audience, plant-based is a is a big category of foods, right? That isn't just the 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 kale and the spinach. We're also talking about pasta. We're talking about potatoes. Um most food is derived from plants, you know, the, the vegetable oils, the you know, the breads, the pasta, you know, and there's so much. Uh, chocolate right. coffee now i'm again not trying to Almost demonize butter. this but everything almost everything we eat i mean i think most people on an average diet probably eating 70 plus percent of their calories coming from a form of plants whether it be a grain-based plant uh, a starch-based plant or you know the various fruits and vegetables that we we uh we enjoy so um you saying that you had 70 percent that doesn't surprise me even though we assume plant, you assume carbs, you think lots of carbs uh, and start from the starchy foods, the potatoes, the rices, the pastas, but you clearly wasn't doing a lot of that if you're on keto. Exactly. That's really nice that you point that out because I didn't even, I didn't even think about it until just now that you asked how much of it is plant-based because I was eating nuts. Um, just it adds up. And if it's not meat, then it's plant-based pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I wasn't eating that much meat. So. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you've, you've definitely not been out of the woods for, for long. Um, but I guess you're in a, in a better place now. So you, you said you've been on carnivore. Oh, actually, I'm jumping ahead. How long have you been experimenting with a high meat or carnivore diet? High meat diet. So that's when I spoke with Danny. Is about two years ago now. Okay. That's when I started having red meat regularly, and I loved it. I was my body was just like, thank you. I felt it was mostly in my mood and my energy. I was feeling stronger. Um, I just had more endurance. I could tackle the world and deal with the pain that I was having a lot better. Um, and but I was still having avocado. I was still having some plant-based things here and there. But that did make a big difference. And then once I got the C. diff infection, I 
that's when I went strict carnivore and that's, I've only been strict carnivore for a little over six months because I was so desperate to gain weight and I went into three emergency rooms. (laughs) They all said, you need to remove your colon and you need to be on a feeding tube. And I've refused. I just couldn't do that. (laughs) I could not do it. And I told them, let me eat meat because even before trying it myself, I had seen all of these stories about the carnivore diet and I was eating mostly, I was eating a lot of meat, but I, I couldn't cut out my keto treats. I couldn't cut out my shirataki noodles, you know, which, because it should be fine. And, um, I was very, very stubborn, but then I finally just said, let me eat meat. So they said, okay, order whatever you want, but you've got to eat. And I was ordering like three entrees of meat all the hard boiled eggs, butter. And I was able to put on four pounds after two weeks in the emergency room. Um, And I was also being isolated because I had C. diff. So that's the protocol. Um, And they finally sent me home and said, just eat your weird all meat diet. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went home and I continued to do that. And, but it was, it wasn't, it wasn't that easy to be completely transparent. It was really hard cutting out those last few of keto course. things. Yeah. I loved, I loved the keto ice creams. I loved the peanut butter cups that I would make. Um, and I just kept them there because it was like, this shouldn't be bad. I'm already cutting out so much. This should be enough. But finally, when I did let go of it, I, gained so much freedom in my mind because it may, it just simplified everything. It's like, okay, well I can, I'm only going to eat from the animal kingdom. Um, so I, I made it, I added a lot of variety in the beginning. I had dairy and I, I had stevia, um, to sweeten things with if I wanted just, just so that I would stick with it just so that I didn't go back on the keto treats and miss my old recipes and all that sort of thing. Um, and I just started feeling so much better. And now I don't want dairy. I don't even eat eggs. I don't miss eggs, to be honest. Wow. I, love eggs. Eggs. <laughs> I love eggs too. Seriously. Do you feel um, you need to avoid them? Feel, no, not really. Um, but I just don't crave them. And every now and then I'll have some egg yolks or just the yolk in my bone broth or something like that, or dip my steak in it. But I am just so, I've never been more satiated and happy with what I'm eating. And it's and just, just clear, it's, all it's just, it's red meat. It's steak for the most part. Um, not just red meat. I can't afford steak all the time. I do that <laughs> before fast. Huh? <laughs> Um, but I have burger every day. I have lamb. I love fatty lamb. I yeah, get a lot of a lot of stuff from U.S. Wellness Meats, and um, I love their burgers with organ meats in them. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll just throw. I usually put a hunk of frozen liver inside a burger, and I have that every day. I'll have um, beef shank. I have bone broth every day. Uh, one of the weird things that I incorporated are fish skins. (laughs) Um, so I have, 
a friend that's um, a butcher. She's amazing. And she hooks me up with her fish skins because otherwise people are just throwing them out. And I so just this cut is them raw. into little... So that, that she's giving you raw fish skins and you're cooking them up. <laughs> yes. I cut them into squares and I put them in my air fryer and they become chips. Nice. They're fish skin chicharrones. And I, it sounds weird, but they actually do it in Asia and they sell these things. I I so, love I love salmon salmon skins. You know when you get a salmon fillet and you you you, you um, put it up on the on the griddle on the grill, just grilled salmon. You know a lot of people take that bit of uh, skin off because they say it's the fatty, but it's the best bit. It's the best bit. The best, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's crispy. It's crunchy. It's delicious. Yeah. So I have fish skins every single day. Okay. Um, and it, honestly, it it was so helpful because. I was feeling so full with all the meat. Um, and I need, I needed to be in a surplus eating in a surplus for quite a while so that I could gain back some healthy weight. So the fish skins, you know, they're, they're light enough and they're, like I said, they're hyper palatable. <laughs> they're delicious. So I could eat a lot and it was a very nice way to get in some extra protein because I was so used to keto and limiting my protein. But when I started carnivore, I just let go of all of that. And I no said, dairy? I don't even care if I don't no dairy um, anymore. I did the dairy in the beginning, but I ended up cutting that out. And I felt a lot better when I did cut out dairy. So are you inspired um, by any chance by Michaela Peterson's story? Definitely. She, that was one of the main stories. I heard her on Joe Rogan. Yeah. And I thought, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, okay, well, she's one in a million. Listen to all these issues she's had. Yeah. And then I got to thinking, well, look at all the issues I've had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then carnivore started becoming more popular. Like when I spoke with Danny Vega, he, he made that point and I couldn't deny it. Um, and I'm so excited to see that it's growing and that more and more people are giving it a shot, even if it's just for 30 days, it's totally worth it. I, I totally agree, by the way. And just, you know, full, full disclosure, I have not had a carnivore day. I'm not a, carn, I'm not a carnivore advocate. What? No, that's a lie. I advocate um, on a high animal-based, low-carb diet. I believe that is the best for us. With all the, all the podcasts and the interviews that I've had, everything I've read, I feel most comfortable saying that whilst it's uh, counterculture, it's not uh, the norm it's met with lots of moral judgment and i know we don't we don't need to go into that because i know that's that's biased dogmatic and not necessarily true but there's so much stigma attached to the negative consequences of an animal based diet that um, i i'm careful about the battles i fight but i i fr- get frustrated regularly with the vegan movement and everything it stands for uh, and i get frustrated with the demonization of meat and it sounds like you know the carnivore movement if anything it's trying to exonerate meat and say you know we've got it all wrong right you know the 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 food stuff that we thrived on for for, you know hundreds of thousands of years and millions of years has been the hunting of other animals like just get over it and the more we return to our evolutionary kind of consistent diet it seems that some people really need that they need that intervention they need to strip away the modernity of life but i guess people what they hear from that is okay you're you're really ill you've you've explained you're really ill for whatever reasons that got you here uh 
maybe you're just the you know the one individual that needs it but i i would say that it seems to be universally beneficial is it universally necessary probably not but it seems to be universally beneficial to get into a diet which is more animal based in nature inclusive i think of well uh, uh, of well sourced dairy and eggs i don't i don't think you need to eliminate those but broadly speaking um, I think they should be included in an animal-based diet. But this m- removal of our carb dominance, I think, is the key. But it sounds like you've done that, and that wasn't enough to remove the carb dominance in your diet. To go paleo, then keto, it wasn't enough. But removing everything else and sticking to the most nutrient-dense foods in you know available to humans, that seems to be giving you some respite and actually recovering. Right, exactly. I feel the exact same way as you do. I think that people should be including animal foods in their diet more so than what I see at least. And in doing that, you're getting so many nutrients that are stripped from all of these processed foods that people are living on for the most part. Mm -hmm. And you're not getting any, we need nourishment for our brain. We need fat. That's not rancid. Um, so I think just including more animal-based foods in your diet can make such a big difference because it's replacing other things. It's replacing the processed stuff. And if I think that dairy and greens are awesome. If you enjoy them, good for you. I mean, if I could get away with eating sweet potato every now and then, I love sweet potato, but it makes me feel horrible. And that's just, that's me particularly, but I don't feel that everyone should be carnivore. I think that's, I I think that it would be very, very bold and narrow-minded for anyone to feel that way. Um, Everyone is so bio-individual, but I know that animal-based foods are, they're nutrient-dense. And for someone like me who desperately needed nutrients that was the key because they're bioavailable. My gut, my poor broken gut can absorb these nutrients. And it has also taken away the anti-nutrients that were, that were interfering with my body and my pain. So it feels like we're, we've got a bit of a paradigm shift in our understanding of nutrition. Now it is not mainstream. Now, there's some people that believe this many that don't, but it feels like the paradigm that's shifting is one of inclusion of as much variety of colors and flavors of plant-based material. That is the epitome of health. To so what I believe mm. is probably the, 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 the more accurate uh, sense of human health is you've got animal-based nutrition at the center. And then what you eat on top of that is dependent on what you can get away with. It's not Mm-hmm. All this other stuff adds value. No, it's how much can you get away with? And that's a that's paradigm shattering because, you know, most people would hear me say that and say, hang on a minute, what can I get away with? Well, eating apples and, you know, potatoes and sweet potatoes and, you know, you know various, you know, spinach and kale and rhubarb. Like, get away with? That's all the good stuff. I should be eating that. But actually, I think it's the other way around. I think, you know, we should be eating the meat and the animal-based products. And then what else we add to that yeah. depends on, how healthy we are and what we can tolerate. Totally agree. Well said. Definitely. That should be the foundation. 
Definitely. It's going to take a long time for people to get on board with that. I know most of my friends would just balk at that idea and say, you're just smoking something. You clearly have the wrong perspective. I think that people are just taught differently. We all are. You know, the, the food, the nutritional guidelines are just so screwed up. And I know this firsthand because I've been in hospitals and what the dietitians are telling me, it's like, I mean, they tell people with diabetes to still eat 75% carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Lo- no loads of whole grain pasta. And, oh, come on. Please. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And they, yeah. they have this data and they're ignoring it. So hopefully it continue, the truth continues to spread and people will think outside the box. I can't tell you how often I hear people say, oh, well, I'm, I'm vegan or I'm pescatarian because I'm just trying to be more healthy. I'm just trying to get healthy. And people I just well. tell them, okay, well, yeah, they really do. And I, but it's, it's great when they say that because then I can say, so what about that is going to be more healthy? You know, if anything, it's just cutting out the processed crap. But there's so much more. There are so many nutrients that you can't get from plants that you just, that you can't get from meat. So if you you had to speculate, Rebecca, um, um, what what would you say are, what's driving your recovery? Is it it the availability or uh, the abundance of of, of human nutrition? human nutrients which you're getting with you know meats and organ organ meats or is it the removal of plant-based material uh and uh, you know and you know anti-nutrients things that could be antagonistic maybe the removal of fiber could have been antagonizing your gut but what if Mm -hmm. if you had to and I, I, i probably know your answer but if you had to pick what's driving your recovery is it the nutrition or the avoidance of the other stuff i think it's the nutrition to be honest uh because even when i was avoiding the other things when i first started going strictly carnivore i went through this phase where i wasn't eating enough because i felt so full and i just felt like i was i felt less pain and i i felt a lot more stable with my mood but it didn't really pick up. I mean, it picked up three times as much when I started eating more and when I started eating liver every day. And that's when the light bulb went on. It was like my body has just been starving for these nutrients that it could not get before. And I think also the process of healing my gut, which includes cutting out the plant matter and it includes cutting out the fiber. Um, so, my gut has been healing so that I can actually better absorb those nutrients as well. It would, it would be um, a fairly, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not, but from hearing your story, I would, I would speculate that what really kind of led you down this path was the chronic inclusion of medication a fairly strong medication, medication that messes with your hormones, messes with just generally the sit the whole system at play. Because it sounds like you you don't have 
you, know, you describe all these isolated conditions that you were diagnosed with, but you have a systemic issue. But I think everyone has a systemic issue. If you've got any condition, that's just what we labeled the, you know, the very symptoms. We've labeled those symptoms mm-hmm. as a condition. But the reality is your system at large is somehow misfiring, uh, exactly. not, not working right. And your your system through the course of your life has just been significantly malfunctioning significantly and i can't help but to say it's the chronic um significant use of very strong medication that probably played a part in everything just going haywire would would you reach the same conclusion rebecca definitely i think that's one of other than that i would just attribute it to you know some trauma but i think that's what what triggered all of it to be honest i burnt myself out and i just took these medications um because they said that there was no harm in them and it as with i think all medications you build up a tolerance so there comes a point where they're not even helping anymore and they've already been hurting you and then what do you do and i just couldn't i couldn't bear the thought of okay, well, now I'm going to try a new one. I'm going to try something different for the rest of my life. No way. Are you off meds now? Oh, oh, yes, all meds. I haven't taken any meds for over six years. Wow. Um, And I take very little supplements, too. I was taking quite a few supplements when I was still on keto, but since starting carnivore, I just don't need them. (laughs) I really don't. I feel like it's a waste. It's like I'm, I'm good. So no, no, uh, emotion, emotional support through medication. No, uh, you're not trying to, you know, you're not taking thyroxine. You're not dealing, you, you haven't, you're not taking any other hormone replacement. You're not taking antibiotics or anything else that would, would otherwise be recommended based on the conditions that you've had. Correct. Nothing. Wow. And I never even took the, I never took the thyroid medication. They, I had a choice to take nature thyroid. Um, and I said, no. And that's right around when I started talking to Danny Vega and I ramped up my fat intake and my animal, my animal proteins. And that's when it reversed along with the Addison's. Wow. And and when you say reversed, are you saying symptomatically you're in a better spot or have you had your bloods tested to say the antibodies have, uh, are now within... Correct normal levels correct both wow yeah that, that that's uncommon Huge. that's uncommon to hear your thyroid antibodies um go the, back into like a subclinical level once they're elevated they're usually chronically increasing that's what i was expecting as well mm-hmm. and even what's more is my thyroid has my thyroid levels have never looked so good I mean, they're like pristine. All the endocrinologists that I see, they're like, you are, you're rocking. Just keep doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> so it's really exciting. And I feel it too. That's amazing. Um, it's just incredible. It's so incredible because it, it sounds too good to be true. If I'm honest, it sounds too good to be true to be dealing with everything you have dealt with. Uh, some conditions are are considered chronic. Many of them actually are. And yet you're you're looking good. I, I, how how out of the woods are you, right? Um, 
mm-hmm. how many of the symptoms or things that you have been diagnosed are still present? I would say about 7% so compared kind of to 100%. Right um, so the main thing that I'm dealing with is the scleroderma, which is my body is creating excess scar tissue in my body, basically. And that has just been a process of dealing with. Um, I've been getting Graston therapy, uh, other or otherwise known as Gua Sha. It's basically taking a tool and scraping um, and breaking up layers of scar tissue that have formed in my body because my immune system was attacking itself. Is this like so myofascial release? Is it, is it that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Um, and I end up with these gnarly bruises. Yeah. It's very, it's really interesting. But I have gained so much mobility and relief um, going through with this. And that paired with uh, the carnivore diet and some of the other things that I'm doing, like sauna and cold showers, it has helped my nervous system so much that I don't feel that my body is attacking itself. So the autoimmune is pretty much stopped in its tracks. And so now it's just going through the process of dealing with years and years of my body attacking itself. Of course, yeah, that, um, that, that isn't a, a quick fix, right? Just have to accept right. that. Right. And then I would say other than that, I'm still healing my gut, but I don't have, I don't have issues regularly. It's very rare. If I do, it's because I'm maybe dehydrated and I'm getting cramps or something like that. Um, but for the most part, that's, that's healed. And that, as that, far as my- that is a beautiful thing, actually. I, with, oh, yeah. with, with me moving to, it's been about a year that I am on a on 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 this much lower carb, probably ten percent of my calories are carbs. Majority, uh, I think by by calories, ninety percent of my calories come from animal based products. But I have dairy, I have eggs ah. too. Um, so with that diet, I, I don't you know, hey, let's just call it what it is. I don't fart anymore, but hardly ever. I know. Right when I go to the toilet, it doesn't smell hardly ever. Like it used to. Like I was always known right. for like. Don't go, don't go in after Steve, right? It's just, it's not, it's not good. It's not good for you. <laughs> and, and, and I just accepted that was just me, right? I go to all that, it stinks and you know, all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't happen anymore. I don't, I don't fart. I hardly get gas. I'm hardly bloated, but I do have carbs. So when I do have a carb fest over the weekends, you know, I'll feel it. I feel like I'll crash. I'll sleep. I feel like the, the fatigue of wanting to sleep after a meal. Uh, it takes me a day or so to kind of, you know, wee out all the extra water retention that I've kind of built up because I had loads of carbs that weekend. Yeah. And then give me a couple of days to kind of normalize back on my normal diet. Things are just, you know, straightforward. You know, toilet's fine. And for people that think if you go on a carnival diet, you're, you're never going to go to the toilet. All this meat's going to get uh-huh. rancid within your gut. You know, all the stuff that we've been told. I mean, that is bullshit because it's you complete go. bullshit. You go less because you absorb more but you still go. Mm-hmm. Well, and also for me, that means I can eat more. <laughs> it's so great to be able to eat and not have my stomach distended to just total discomfort. I can, I can put down three pounds of meat and my stomach is flatter than ever. I don't do that because I don't need to eat that much, but it's amazing. And even just my stomach would be puffed out all the time, even when I was on keto. 
And I just hit it. I would just wear shirts that covered it up. And I got used to that. And it's amazing not having to deal with that. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. I, I do think, you know, there, there is such a stigma to to this, this idea. It sounds masculine. It sounds ignorant. It sounds... Um, uh, yeah, it sounds like as if you're being uh, non-sympathetic to the conditions we have around, you know, the, our environment and planet and sustainability, that when people move towards a carnivore or just animal-based diet, um, there's a lot of pressure that you have to deal with to get through that, you know, pressure from your doctors, pressure from your community mm-hmm. saying that can't be right, that can't be good for you, as well as, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, everyone else would say, I'm trying to minimize my meat. Everyone I'm speaking to, their definition of looking after the planet and looking after themselves is to minimize their the regularity of how much meat they eat. And I'm like, no, that isn't the answer. But that is the answer I'm hearing from everyone at the moment. So yeah. it feels like I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a contrarian and a nutter because no one gets it. Now, I think some circles get it more. And I guess you hang around in circles that do get it. But the average Joe doesn't get it. And it, what I do seems like it's going to be for, uh, have long-term issue for both me uh, and, and the planet. That's what people speculate. Yeah. Well, no, same here. I mean, people think that I'm just a bizarre oddity, and but I've just sort of embraced it, really. And with the doctors, a lot of doctors will have a problem with that. But I, I don't have to go to that doctor. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. And no doctor can make me do anything. Sometimes I see people on these Facebook groups and they're like, oh, my doctor said that this is unhealthy for me and they don't believe me and that I need to cut back on my red meat. And I was like, well, then, I mean, there are studies online. You can Google this and just literally lay it all in front of your doctor and say, please prove me wrong. Seriously. And there are a I lot. Just, there are a lot of studies and or probably articles, right? If you were to Google "is red meat bad for you," I would get easily. I'd get tons of reputable sounding articles thrown at me, saying, "Here, here you go, Steve." Like, there's all of these things, and you'll get educated, well-meaning individuals saying, "Steve, you're talking nonsense." Here's five things that clearly prove that you, you know you're losing it. But right. as you dig into the detail almost each and every single one of those is epidemiology. It's observational studies without any correlation, any causation, should I say, between, um, you know, clinically eating food and the impacts of it. We're, we're drawing all these conclusions based on some things that may have been included in the diet, but what else is in there? Uh, and unfortunately, that's the kind of the state of nutritional science is almost all of it is that because it's so hard to do it any other way. Right. And a lot of people will think, you know, how can you, something that I get very often is how can you just feel okay just slaughtering all those animals? Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel okay doing that? You must have no soul. And it's the total opposite. I have never had more respect for my food, to be completely honest with you. Like I, I think about the life that it lived and I am extremely grateful. That's the, that's the circle of life. I mean, it's biblical. And I also support farmers who are raising their animals humanely and taking care of them and not shooting them up with hormones and crap and treating them horribly. I support the farmers that do it the right way. So I'm actually making an impact to help 
the treatment of animals. I have more sympathy and passion for that than I have in my entire life. And the, these monocrops for the veggie burgers and stuff, you know how many animals they're killing just doing that? Rabbits yeah. and deer. It's racing both the soil, the environment, and Our planet, the, animal, the animals exactly. that live in that space. Absolutely. And that, that never gets spoken about. And never gets spoken about exactly. just how demanding uh, the almond almond industry is, or the soy industry is, right. or as you say, these monocrop wheat um, uh, monocrop cultures. I like all of this stuff. It, you know, death. There's blood on everyone's hands. However, whatever you eat, something is dying. It's just we're not told just mm-hmm. how much is dying with our twenty four seven three six five around the world plant based diet. We're not told. Right. Whereas when, you know, if, if I chose to just go carnivore, you know, I live in the UK, we have a lot of rain, we don't have a lot of sunshine, there's a lot of foods we can't cook, can't um, produce here. So we ex- import a hell of a lot. But I don't have to mm. import anything if I want to just have meat. If I just want to have a cow, right. I probably have maybe one or two cows a year. If you think about how much meat I eat, um, that's one or two deaths versus yeah. tens of thousands that are part of the system of creating our kind of plant-based food yeah even waste i have no waste now i eat everything i eat the bones i eat the skin <laughs> I, I eat everything except for hair you know if there's hair on my meat then i'll just take it off but Same. there's no waste which is also that's, great that's so. great it's great and thank you for exploring some of these kind of fringe discussions uh it's just enjoyable for someone to have a a sensible position on this um and not being completely taken over by the zealotry of kind of you know the plant plant way of eating so it's great to just kind of kind of chew the fat with you on this i know that i've asked you a bunch of stuff thank you so much for being open and honest and obviously sharing your journey um i just wanted to kind of pass the mic over to you for a second is there anything that i've missed anything you wish i would have asked that you would like to cover for our audience oh i if i could add anything else i would encourage people to experiment with um, some of these biohacking things and practicing mindfulness, um, even just meditation, it can really make a big difference. I mean, you can lower your blood sugar by like 20 points just by paying attention to your breathing. And we've got people suffering and taking all these medications and it's just so unnecessary. Or try a cold shower and see what it does for your mood. It works. And these are free. And you don't have to pay anyone for it. You don't have to pay for a supplement. So I would just say I would love for people to be open-minded and never, ever feel like this is it. You know, never feel like there's no hope because I'm still learning that there is nothing that's not reversible. Um, And there's so much, so much beyond what we can understand. I'm just excited to see how much more I continue to grow and heal. And I know it's not just for me, it's for everyone. So. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I'm, I, I too am excited for both your, your growth individually, as well as the growth of exonerating meat and bringing meat back into, onto our plate, understanding it's nutritious. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, hoping that the carnivore movement takes over the world, but I do hope it it gains traction enough to not just be considered a fad diet. 
and that people sustain with that diet. Because I think the likes of Sean Baker, Paul Saladino, um, these these individuals are putting their, their own their own lives into the mix as guinea pigs, as well as the people that follow yeah. their movement. We we need to see what happens long term with people mm-hmm. having a meat only diet. I'd like to. I, I would hope, based on what I'm hearing, it is not going to have a negative consequence. But even if after five years there's some indications that there should be other foods added to someone's diet, um, that would at least prove to us that meat isn't bad. Exactly. It might just say there could there should be some other stuff in your diet but we need to exonerate meat. So people need to go and be extreme right now and do these meat-only yeah. diets to show you that meat isn't the problem because that's that's been the villain. So let's just eat only meat. Right. And if we if we don't die <laughs> and we don't collapse and we don't you know get blocked up because we've got all this rancid meat in our belly and actually we're thriving and we feel the best we've ever felt before and we're dealing with autoimmune diseases and you know we're wanting to share the message, I think people will stop and listen. And that's what you're doing. So I, I really appreciate you, deeply re- uh, appreciate uh, you wanting to share that information because you could go about doing this for yourself, but you're obviously compelled to let other people know. And that's great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's a, a huge pleasure and honor to be able to share my journey and my story. And if I can help just one person, that makes my day. Tell me how people can find more about you, Rebecca, as well as how can you help them? Uh, do you have, offer any services to support people that need additional assistance, counsel, or yeah, just a, a you know a, a shoulder to lean on? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I post a lot of stuff on there day to day at Taylor Keto Health um, or Rebecca Farmer. It's Rebecca with a K. I'm also on Facebook at Taylor Keto Health. And I have a website as well. Um, I'm not going to share the domain because I didn't pay for a domain, but (laughs) the link to it is in my bio on Instagram. And I am coaching um, for less than half the price of what typical coaches will ask, just because I have been in that place where I couldn't afford the help that I needed and I want to help people. So feel free to reach out. I love to, you know, share my story or what supplements might help transition. I just love to help. Um, so please don't hesitate to reach out. I'll do my best to make sure I reference everything you've just said. And yeah, your, your, your current domain for your website is a little tricky. So I'll make sure that is within (laughs) our show notes too. It's been a pleasure, Rebecca. Um, I hope you, a fantastic 2020 and that your recovery continues to go from strength to strength. And I would just say that if it doesn't, uh, I guess um, the, the one caution I would say is continue to be open-minded. Whilst at the moment everything is working, if it doesn't, then I guess we, we need to not be dogmatic enough with our dietary choices such that we hear the message if something isn't working. And it sounds like you, you're, you're in that place. Definitely. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Good stuff. Enjoy 2020 and let's keep in touch. All right, take care. What an amazing conversation and what an amazing and brave woman Rebecca is. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And as we continue to explore 
these aspects of self-discovery and self-optimization, we will keep continuously butting our head against the traditional norms of nutritional wisdom. And it's hard to hear, I get it. And it's gonna go against everything that you know and understand and assume as fact. I just ask you to continue to have an open mind because there are some incredible messages coming through with people trying extreme and different diets that on paper should not work. And yet they're relieving themselves in ways which are just completely profound. And if you like this discussion and you wanna dig a little deeper, then let me recommend you something. I have spent the last couple of years both interviewing people and doing tons of research to codify my understanding of what it takes to be your best, to live your best life and have the most energy, vitality. And nutrition, of course, plays a significant part, but so does appropriate rest and calmness. So does exercise. So does mindset, life habits, your physique. All these things absolutely matter. But trying to piece this all together for yourself can take a hell of a lot of time. There's so much confusion. There's so much misinformation. It is a bit of a maze. So if you want to get a fast track view into what it takes to be your best, I would highly recommend that you check out the Be Your Best journey. I'll put a link in the show notes. It is something that I've labored over. I believe it is truly of value to most people, whether you are already optimizing your life or need that reboot. It starts slow and it builds over a course of 100 days. I'm incredibly proud of it. The feedback has been phenomenal so far and I hope you enjoy it. So if you want a guided tour of everything that I've learned and everything that we stand for at Adaptation, the Be Your Best journey is absolutely something that I think can help. So go check it out. Let me know what you think. And until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best. If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>